When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, one of the more satisfying things about working with botanical aquariums and the botanical aquarium method movement, if you will, is that over the years, we've seen our thoughts evolve from, you know, fringe ideas to interesting experiments to best practices as more and more hobbyists, you know, began to try them for themselves. And pretty much the foundational piece to our methodology has been to employ leaves and leaf litter in our aquariums. Now we've been talking about this stuff for seven years now, and although it seems like a long time, you know, we, we certainly weren't the first people to suggest that in leaves to aquariums, as a lot of people like to give me credit for, which is kind of cool, but uh, you know, I, I can't take that. However, I do think we were at least among the first to suggest that leaves be added to aquariums, not simply to tint the water or lower the pH or whatever people have traditionally said, but to create a functional substrate which fosters a microbiome of organisms to support the aquarium. Yeah, it's about the function and the ecology. I think that's where we came in. So over the years, all these long-held you know, fears and concerns, like you know, people afraid of overwhelming their aquariums with biological materials and the overall look of decomposing leaves and botanicals and tanks of understandably led to the idea of leaf litter or leaves in general being relegated to sort of sideshow status for a long time. It's only really been recently that we've started looking at them more objectively as, you know, ecological materials and that help create a ecological or niche uh, similar to what you see in the wild in our aquariums. And yeah, to this day, we still see a lot of social media posts by both hobbyists and distressingly by some aquatic vendors and manufacturers that seem to overlook this environmental part. And they talk about the look and they wax on and on about the aesthetics of adding leaves to your tank and how they can create a more natural look. Now, yes, I cringe a little bit when I see this, but don't get me wrong. I mean, adding leaves to your aquarium does create a cool look and it's definitely pretty natural for sure. However, to merely, you know, proffer adding leaves to your tank for their visual sexiness uh, or touting the leaf litter beds as sexy because they look cool just overlooks that whole amazing ecological benefit that they provide. And often these suggestions even fail to mention the fact that even if you just want the leaves in your tank for that sexy look, they're still going to have some impact on the environment within it. And there's implications about how we manage aquariums when you have leaf litter in them, and those aren't talked about. And there's very few places that talk about them. This is one of them. So there's also a funny irony is that the function of the leaves creates an even sexier aesthetic as they break down, which is something that we'll touch on later, I'm sure. So I think though today, we're just going to focus again on some of the functional and practical aspects of using leaves in your aquarium. We've done this a lot over the years, but it's worthy of bringing up again because Again, it's become a more popular, more acceptable thing. And I think with that, there's a responsibility to continue to preach correct information as opposed to this shallow, vapid, you know, oh, they look cool thing that we see so much of. Yeah. Now, funny, it's funny, but I suppose there are occasional smirks and giggles from some corners of the aquarium hobby when they see 
our botanical method aquariums and with some people thinking really you know they toss in a few leaves and they think that this sloppy shit is some natural or some evolved aquascaping technique i hear that once in a while again the key is aquascaping it's not an aquascaping technique it's an ecological approach and the funny thing is that it is sort of an evolution as to what uh, an aquarium keeping isn't it i mean sure on the surface it doesn't seem to look like much you know toss in some materials in your aquarium see what happens but uh, again to make it more complicated than it is to develop or quantify technique for it which is true act of human nature i suppose is probably a little bit humorous to some people but i think it's important that we develop these best practices and ideas and on the other hand, as I just mentioned, it's not just to create a cool-looking tank or one which requires less maintenance. We don't embrace the aesthetic of you know, dark water, decomposing leaves, and the appearance of biofilms and fungal growth because it allows us to be more relaxed in the care of our tanks. We're doing it for a reason, which is to create more natural-functioning aquatic displays for our fishes, which just happen collaterally to look different and attractive as well. And we're doing it to understand and knowledge that our fishes and their very existence is influenced by the habitats in which they've evolved. Now, as we've talked about many times here over the years, wild tropical aquatic habitats are influenced tremendously by the surrounding geography and the flora of the region, which in turn have considerable influence on the population of the fishes which inhabit them and their very life cycle. The simple fact of the matter is when we add leaves and other botanical materials to an aquarium and accept what occurs as a result regardless of whether our intent is just to create a different look or perhaps something more, we are, to a very real extent, actually replicating the processes and influences that occur in aquatic habitats in nature. So even if you were trying to just get the cool look, I applaud you because guess what? You're creating a function that you probably weren't thinking about. Now, again, the presence of botanical materials like leaves in aquatic habitats is really fundamental. It's foundational. In tropical species of trees, leaf drop is really important to the surrounding environment. The nutrients that are taken up from you know, the soil and so forth are bound up in the leaves. So a regular release of leaves by trees helps replenish the minerals and nutrients in the soil, which are typically depleted from eons of leaching into the surrounding forested areas. So most tropical forest trees are classified as evergreens and they don't have a seasonal leaf drop like many of the trees that we're more familiar with. Rather, they replace their leaves gradually throughout the year as the leaves age and subsequently fall off the trees. So the implication here is that there's more or less a continuous supply of leaves falling into, you know, the forest and the waters that flow within them. It's also why leaf litter banks may be almost permanent structures within some bodies of water that flow through jungles and forests because they're always being resupplied. In nature, reef, you know, leaf litter zones comprise arguably one of the richest and most diverse habitats in the tropical aquatic ecosystem. And over the years, they were very rarely replicated in the aquarium. And I think this has been due in a large part to the lack of continuous you know, understanding and availability of products, i.e. leaves for hobbyists to work with. And you know, understanding what the biotope itself is all about, not to mention the understanding of the practicality of recreating it in your tank. So we fast forward a few years and now many hobbyists are playing with the idea of incorporating leaf litter into our tanks. It's something that was given little more than a passing bit of attention a few years ago, if that. And this increased level of attention to this environmental niche is reaping a lot of benefits for those who've played with it. Leaves are sort of the gateway drug, if you will, into our botanical method natural aquarium world. And it's a very different world now. We're collectively looking more seriously at all these wild aquatic habitats where our fishes come from and 
how they influence the fish's lives and well-being. And we're looking at these habitats not only as something we'd like to replicate the look of in our aquariums, but the function. And that's a huge evolution in the aquarium hobby, in my opinion. This functional aspect is really important. Now, in the properly constructed and managed botanical method aquarium, I believe leaf litter performs the same role in helping to sequester nutrients and other materials and provide supplemental food sources for fishes as it does in the wild. And it's a really exciting field of study for our community. Let's go back to nature for just a second. Um, even though we talked about this really recently, let's bring it up again in today's discussion. And for those of you that probably are saying, how oh, he's talking about this again, you could just sort of get, fix yourself a drink or whatever. So <laughs> at some point, leaves um, stop photosynthesizing in their structures and other metabolic processes within the leaves themselves start to shut down which triggers a process in which the leaves essentially pass off all the nitrogen and other compounds to storage tissues throughout the tree for utilization. Now, ultimately, the, the dying leaves seal themselves off from the tree and the dry skeleton falls. In our case, it probably falls into the water or the forest floor, which later becomes flooded by water. And as we know by now, when leaves fall into the water or are immersed following these seasonal rains, they form a really valuable substrate for fungi to help break down the remaining intact leaf structures. That's what happens when terrestrial materials come in contact with water. The fungi population helps contribute to the bacterial population, which creates the now famous biofilms, which consists of sugars, vitamins, and various proteins, which fishes in both their juvenile and adult life phases utilize for supplemental nutrition. And of course, as the fishes eliminate their waste and metabolic products, this contributes further to this little aquatic food web. And it all starts with a dried up leaf. It's pretty incredible stuff. Now, observations from myself and many of my friends in the know, particularly those that breed fish, have suggested for quite some time that the biofilms from decaying leaves form a valuable secondary food for the fry of a lot of fishes like discus and waro and loricarid catfishes and other cichlids. And of course, all sorts of other grazing fishes like caracins and cyprinids can derive at least some nutrition from the fungi, the bacteria, and the small crustaceans which live in, on, and among the leaf litter bed in the aquarium. I've seen fishes like pencil fishes and all kinds of tetras spend large amounts of time during the day picking at the leaf litter in my aquariums and the surfaces of decomposing botanicals and staying pretty darn fat during periods of time when I've been traveling or whatever and wasn't able to feed them every day, which leads me to believe that they're deriving at least part of their nutrition from the leaf litter or botanical bed in the aquarium, just like they've done in nature for eons. Again, in the aquarium, much like in the natural habitats, the layer of decomposing leaves and botanical matter colonized by so many organisms ranging from you know bacteria to macro invertebrates and insects is a prime spot for fishes. So they're naturally drawn to it. And all kinds of fishes, you know, not just limited to tetras but cat and catfishes, but knife fishes, cichlids, even killifishes. There's all sorts of fishes that are drawn to this type of habitat. Leaf litter beds are so important for fishes because they become a refuge for fish as well, providing shelter and food from predators. It's kind of interesting. So let's go back to the aquarium part here. Um, when we work with leaves, one of the most important fundamental practices we employ as botanical method aquarists is preparation. And it's probably one of the few controversies in the botanical method aquarium world. I don't know, why is this controversial? Well, people ask me this all the time. Why, Scott, why do we boil this stuff? 
Well, to begin with, consider that boiling water is used as a method of making water potable, right? It kills microbes that can be present. Most, you know, nasty microbes check out in temperatures greater than about 60 degrees Celsius, which is about 140 degrees Fahrenheit. For a high percentage of microbes, if the water is maintained at 70 degrees Celsius, which is 158 degrees Fahrenheit for 10 minutes, most organisms are killed. You know, if you really want to kick it up a notch, then, you know, you can go a little bit longer, maybe 10 minutes at 158 degrees Fahrenheit, and that'll take care of that. But for the most part, most of the nasty bacteria that we don't want in our tanks just are eliminated by this process. So that's really important. 10 minutes of boiling is like golden in my opinion. Of course, we boil for other reasons as we'll just touch on in a moment here. Well, for one reason, we boil leaves and botanicals to kill any possible microorganisms which might be present on them. Um, leaves have been exposed to all sorts of stuff, rain and dust and all sorts of things in the natural environment, which in the confines of an aquarium could introduce unwanted organisms and pathogens and contribute to the overall degradation of the water quality. The surfaces and textures of many leaves simply lend themselves to retaining dirt and soot and dust and other pollutants that, although likely harmless in the grand scheme of things, are not stuff you want to start out with in your tank. So we give everything a good soak, a good rinse, and then we boil. Boiling also serves to soften leaves and botanicals, as I mentioned. If you remember your high school botany, maybe you do, maybe you don't, I hope you do, leaves are surprisingly complex structures with multiple layers designed to reject pollutants, facilitate gas exchange, drive photosynthesis, and store sugars for the benefit of the plant on which they're found. As such, it's really important to get them to release some of the materials which might still be bound up in the epidermis, the outer layers, of the leaf. As we get deeper into the structure of the leaf, we find the mesophyll, which is a layer of tissue in which much of the photosynthesis takes place. And that's why we use only dried leaves in our botanical method aquariums, because these leaves, which naturally fall off trees, have lost most of their chlorophyll and their sugars contained within the leaf structures. And it's pretty important because having these compounds present, as in living leaves, contributes excessively to the bioload of the aquarium when submerged. It's like we've got enough going on, we don't need to add sugars and starches and so forth to the mix. Now, it would be fun to experiment. I've talked about this before, experimenting with green leaves. I mean, green leaves fall into the natural waterways as well, and there are ecological adaptations to cope with this, and I'm sure we could figure out some things in the aquarium too, but right now, I'm, I'm liking dried leaves. And again, I steep them after I'm done too. And, and a lot of people say, whoa, overkill. I don't think so, that's just me. The steep will continue to help, you know, leaves saturate and sink and eliminate any additional surface contaminants and remaining sugars and get them out. Of course, everybody asks if you're eliminating all the beneficial tannins when you employ this rigorous preparation process. And my answer is no, you're not. They'll keep leaching out tannins for a long time, even after this you know, comprehensive prep process is done. Now, everybody has a different opinion on this. This is just mine. I admit I've occasionally foregone the boiling water in favor of a room temperature overnight soak or a hot water steep or sometimes just a heavy rinse in tap water and then just adding them straight to my tanks. I haven't encountered any problems other than the slightly higher buoyancy with non-steep leaves. They float until they saturate, which could take days, hours, weeks. I don't know. Now, some people argue that they last longer. It's your call. I, I, I've tried all these things because our community does this and I want to sort of keep abreast about what people are doing. But in the interest of providing, you know, the most conservative advice for the greatest majority of our, you know, our community... I stand by my recommendations to employ some sort of prep as we just talked about. And again, some people may say that's complete overkill and it's not for them. And, you know, it's yours truly is going to tell you to do it. But if you want to experiment, go for it.
Now, as far as you know, placement and the depth of a litter bed is concerned, that's really up to you. I've gone over the possible issues with adding a proportionately large influx of you know, leaves and botanicals to an established aquarium all at one time, and I stand by my recommendations to go slowly in, a, in an established aquarium. As you're aware, rapidly adding a bunch of leaves to an established tank will contribute to the bioload of the aquarium, not to mention potentially decrease the pH, increase the CO2, and maybe have some serious consequences for the animals in your system. Besides, part of the fun is watching the aquarium evolve over time. You know, you test the pH, the ammonia, the nitrite during the first few days after you've added the botanicals to an existing tank, just to be sure, maybe the pH, nitrate, phosphate in the longer term, to sort of establish a baseline parameter for your tank and to monitor any trends as your system matures. The old test then tweak adage of my, uh, in the aquarium world is one of my favorites for a good reason. So it's about patience. Now, depth-wise, it's your call, and that's wide open for experimentation. In a properly filtered, well-maintained aquarium, I see no reason why you couldn't create a really deep leaf litter bed approaching even 8 to 10 inches, which is about, what, 25 centimeters uh, or even more. In nature, leaf litter beds may be several meters deep. That's incredible. Now, I realize that an aquarium is not an open system like a stream and that there's upper limits to what you probably can do. So the real takeaway here is that with careful experimentation, observation, and willingness to make mid-course corrections, you as the hobbyist can try all sorts of things with regards to the depth and composition of your leaf litter bed. And of course, leaves decompose. And my recommendation is, as always, to leave them in play until they completely decompose. Uh, decompensation. Decompensation. Ah, why did I say decompensation? I don't know why I said that. Decomposition. Sometimes I trip over my own words for reasons I don't even know. Um, I'd say I think faster than I, I talk faster than I think, which sounds about right because I do talk without thinking sometimes. Anyway, decomposition is a pretty amazing process, and that's how nature processes materials for use by the greater ecosystem. It's the first part of the recycling of nutrients that were used by the plant from which the botanical material, i.e., leaves, came. So when a botanical material decays, it's broken down and converted into more simple organic forms, which become food for all kinds of organisms at the base of the ecosystem. In aquatic ecosystems, much of that breakdown of botanical materials is conducted by detritivores, specifically fishes, aquatic insects, and invertebrates, which serve to begin the process by feeding upon the tissues of the leaves, while other species utilize the waste products which are produced during this process for their nutrition. Now, in these habitats like streams and flooded forests, a variety of species work in tandem with each other, with various organisms carrying out different stages of the decomposition process. Now, interestingly, I, this is a little aside, we'll go in a little detour because it's something I found out recently. In some wild aquatic habitats, like the peat swamps of Southeast Asia, the decomposition of leaves which fall into these waters is remarkably slow. In fact, ecologists have observed that the leaves typically don't break down. Now, why is this? It's commonly believed that these low-nutrient waters, which are really high in tannins and very acidic, seem to impede microbial activity. Now, this is seemingly at odds with the understanding that passive leaching of dissolved organic compounds from leaf litter you know, has been found to be a major source of energy in tropical stream habitats, fueling the microbial food chains, chains which we're you know, so fascinated by. Now, no doubt it's the water parameters that have something to do with this. They're, these are really unique habitats, but... When you're talking about water that has, you know, 90 degree Fahrenheit temperatures, a pH of 2.6 to 3.8, uh, you know, moderate to total dissolved solids, practically no nitrate, 
and very low levels of dissolved oxygen, there's something going on. In the studies that I read, leaves of native species found in these swamps submerged in the waters of swamps lost very little biomass, which other leaves from trees that were found elsewhere would break down more substantially. So it tends to rule out the generally held theory that ecologists have, which postulates that slow decomposition rate in the peat swamps is due to the extreme conditions, believe it or not, even though I'm thinking that's what it is. It's believed that the resistance to decomposition is due to the physical and chemical properties of the leaves themselves, which are found right along the swamps, because leaves that are found other places will break down. Interesting, right? Leaf litter in tropical peat swamp forest builds up to the, you know, the peat many feet deep over thousands of years, and that impedes nutrient cycling. And when you think about it, inputs of nutrients into most peat swamps come solely from rainfall because rivers and streams in the region don't always flow into the swamps. Now, in these really nutrient-poor, highly acidic conditions, it's more beneficial for plants to protect their leaves rather than to replace them when the submerged, you know, when the waters come and they get submerged. So interesting, right? Um, and bacterial, uh, bacteria and fungi are known to be responsible for leaf breakdown in the, in the peat swamps, but because ecologists don't typically encounter aquatic invertebrates in the peat swamps, which are known to ingest, you know, leaf material, it's got to be these guys, like the fungi. Mm, yeah, those guys again. Fungi are regarded by biologists and ecologists to be the dominant organisms associated with decomposing leaves and streams. So this gives you some ideas why we see them in our aquariums as well, right? Was that a detour, by the way, that I just went on? It was like a weird detour that I probably didn't even finish the thought on, and it's typical. You've, if you've ever seen me talk live, you'll see that too. So just uh, maybe I'm gearing up for some, sp- uh, some talks I'm doing later in the summer by just freelancing here. So forgive me. <laughs> and forgive and, and God help you if you're attending one of my talks because, you know, I go on tangents. Anyway, um, I did find, I'm just going to wrap this, put a little bow on this one, because I did find a little um, study done by some researchers on leaching of dissolved organic carbon in those peat swamps again. And I want to read this to you. Um, It said, most of the DOC appears to be leached within a few weeks of leaves falling into the swamp. And it appears likely that the cycling of DOC, which dissolved organic carbon, is rapid and occurs before the leaves become part of the peat deposits. This would further explain the the presence of the thick superficial root mat layer that is a key feature of tropical peat forests. Since the processing of nutrient, the processes of nutrient cycling would occur in the upper leaf litter layer rather than the deeper waterlogged peat. Okay, that's cool stuff. And it kind of reminds me of those, you know, those bog mummies that you see in Europe where the ancient remains of humans are so well preserved because of the acidic oxygen poor conditions of these bogs when they find these bodies that are thousands of years old and they're completely intact with skin and stuff anyway during the wet season these peat swamps are super inundated with water which slows down the aerobic decomposition which occurs in the substrate conditions which are you know conducive to facilitating the formation of peat and the breakdown of leaves in the wild is really really amazing and the implications and the processes in the aquariums are just as interesting it's a really dynamic really fascinating process. And it's part of why we find this whole idea of a natural botanical method aquarium so compelling. Many of the organisms from microbes to microcrustaceans to fungi are, you know, are never actually seen except by the most observant and keen-eyed aquarists. You'll see fungal growth in biofilm, but you won't see a lot of those crustaceans. If you have a microscope, you will, but they're there. They're doing what they've done for eons. They work, you know, slowly and methodically over weeks and months and 
converting those botanical materials into forms that are more readily assimilated by both themselves and the other aquatic organisms that you have in your aquarium. It's the real cycle of life. And it's another reason why the surrounding tropical forests are so vital to life. All that alichthonous leaf material from the trees as a source of energy for stream invertebrates, insects, and fishes can't be underestimated. When we preserve the rainforests and their surrounding terrestrial habitats, we're also preserving the aquatic life forms, which are found there when the waters return. Pretty amazing stuff. And in our aquariums, we're just beginning to appreciate the real benefits of using leaves and botanicals. Not just for cool aesthetics or to tint the water, but to create truly natural, ecologically stable aquatic systems for the, the health and the well-being of the fishes that we love so much. There's a whole lot to unpack about leaves in the aquarium. And I probably went all over the place talking about this stuff, but it draws from all kinds of scientific fields, biology, chemistry, and ecology, as well as from our everyday practices as aquarists. So the next time you see a social media post by an authority or an influencer or a brand waxing on poetically about how cool and natural leaves look as aquascaping props in the aquarium, you know, you could like it and smile or whatever, but just remind yourself and maybe others that there's so much more to them than just that. Don't, you know, sell yourself or the idea of leaves as a functional part of an ecosystem. Don't sell that short by touting only the look. Studying the influences of leaves on aquatic environments and how to replicate and incorporate these influences into our aquariums is the key to like everything. Building a specialized aquatic microcosm in our tanks is going to unlock so many secrets and lead to so many amazing breakthroughs with our fishes. And for that matter, a greater understanding of the precious natural habitats where they come from. Play with this stuff, learn from it, and share. Stay curious, stay resourceful, stay diligent, stay informed, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Tenant Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tent.